So, Lord God, we bless you today. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for the ministry of your spirit in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your love that you have for us. And, Lord, we pray that you would open up the scripture to us this day. Lord, we thank you for that anointing upon your word. Lord, we ask, Father, that you would open the the eyes of our heart, that you would open our understanding. Lord, we pray for that anointing, God, this day. Lord, I ask that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And, Lord, we all ask for that anointing, that we can hear and receive all that the Spirit of God is speaking to us today. And, Lord, we ask it in the name, mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Everybody says, hallelujah. What a wonderful name Jesus is. Amen. No greater name than our lips know. Uh, Jesus did. He, he, you know, Jesus is our, our God, and, and, and he is the one that died on the cross for us, and he rose from the dead. And, you know, today we stand in victory in Christ. And so many people today, um, they, they know some, some of the things of God, but the thing is, is if you don't know God, you're going to be misled in the last days. It's, it's one thing to know a few things about God, but it's another thing to actually know God. Amen? And one of the things that, that it takes to know God is a relationship with God. And, you know, God is a relatable God. When, when, um, ever since eternity passed, he's a relatable God. And, and that's why he created us, so that he could know us, to, to relate to us. That's why he has a person. He's a person. He has thoughts. He has feelings. He has love. And one of the things that we see in Scripture is that so many times people know things about God, but they don't actually walk with God. They don't actually know God. And I want to tell you before we begin in this message today, God wants to not only not only that you know things about him, but God wants you to know him. He invites you to know him. You can go as far with God as your heart desires. And God desires for you to go as, you know, all the way. But God is, is paid the price. He's, he's, he went to the cross and he took away the transgressions that we committed. So everything that would hinder you from coming to God, God took care of. God nailed those things to the cross. Your iniquity, your transgressions were nailed to the cross because you have your past. Listen, everybody's got a past. David had a past. Jeremiah had a past. Everybody's got a past, okay? But Jesus took our past and he nailed it to the cross so that you can have that relationship with God, so that you can be born again. And God wants you to have that. One of the things that we see, though, is that people today, um, they, like I said, they know things about God, but they don't actually know God. Today, we're going to start our message in Psalm 32 this day. And what we're going to be looking at is God's instruction for our lives and how God instructs us how God instructs us. Let me read the scripture and, and then we'll, we'll get into the message. It says, let's start in verse number six, Psalm 32, verse number six. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. I'm going to stop right there for a second. And I just want to just begin to get into the, to the word today. Number one, I want you to see that there is a prayer that you can pray that will keep the floods from your house. Amen. The, you know, Jesus, he, he related this in, over in Matthew chapter number seven when he was talking about those that believe upon his word. Though the wind and the storms, the rain will come upon and beat that house, it will not fall. Because your belief is right, God will keep you right. Though the circumstances of life may come, the floods will not overwhelm you when your faith is in Christ Jesus. There's a prayer that the child of God can pray that will keep them safe and secure through the storms and trials of life. I want you to know that our God is a deliverer. He delivers. I mean, amen. The, the nation of Israel knew God as a deliverer when he brought them out of Egypt, when he broke the bondage, the, the thumb of, of, of Pharaoh off of their life and delivered them from being slaves and brought them into to the promised land. 
Israel knew God is a deliverer. Do you know that God is a deliverer? Amen. And, 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 and the thing is, is sometimes in our life today, we don't understand the fact that God is, is delivering his children. He wants you to be delivered from a bondage of alcohol or anger or anxiety. God wants you to be de- delivered from whatever bondage ails against your soul. There's bondages upon the children of God today, but our God is still a deliverer. And I want you to know that God is not retired from the deliverance business. Amen. And you don't have to pay $59.95 and go to a deliverance class to get God's deliverance. God will deliver you when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you come to the Lord Jesus, deliverance will come to you. Amen. Amen. God wants you to know and understand that he still operates today the same way he always has. And you can't copyright the deliverance of God. You can't. You can't trademark the deliverance of God. Just because some snake oil salesman sells it on Facebook don't mean that God's still not a, a deliverer. Amen? <laughs> he is a deliverer. And he will deliver you from the great floods that come against you. And don't make any bones about it. As you, a child of God, the enemy is against you. The world's against you. Satan is against you. And, and the, the reality is, is that there will be floods that come against you as a child of God. The enemy does not want your little light to keep shining. He wants to take the joy, joy, joy out of your heart. He wants to take the song out of your soul. Amen. And he wants you to get, listen, this you're going to need this later. He wants you to get religious and not righteous. There's a difference. And, and, and one, of the, one of the things that, that godly folks even today fall into a trap of is we start walking without God's instruction on our life. And when you're walking in the blind, guess what you do? You lean on religion instead of the righteousness of Christ. So many people today are relying on the rule of religion instead of the righteousness of Christ. Now, God will do a work in you, and God will keep you where you need to go. He will cause you to walk upright before him. He is holy. He's not retired from being holy. And without holiness, no man will see him. But the reality that we need to see today, though, is that if if you start walking and living your life absent from God instructing you, you'll lean on the arm of religion. And it'll lead you in the wrong path. See, God's a deliverer. And he will lead you out. But how many of you know when God told the nation of Israel, take that blood of that lamb and put it over your doorpost. And if you do, I'm going to pass over your house. How many of you know that God is a deliverer, but if they didn't do what God said to do, they were going to be destroyed. Come on now. You got to understand that. You, you have to understand there, there is a place where we need to have God speak into our lives. We need to know the voice of God. We need to follow his instruction for our lives. Now, notice what, he, what, what the psalmist says here, what David said. He said, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall compass me about with songs of deliverance. I know where my hiding place is. I know where my deliverance is. I know who preserves my life. And, and, and who preserves my life is not a religious system. It's a righteous God. I know who preserves my life. I know where life comes from. It comes from that fountain, that ever-springing fountain that flows from the throne of God. It still makes glad the city of our God, and it still flows through the lives of those that believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Amen. And that water still flows from God's throne through the life of the believer today. And it doesn't matter how hot or humid it is, the river of God will flow through your life if you'll only believe on Jesus Christ. Amen. He is a deliverer. Yes, he's a deliverer. And he will compass you about with those songs of deliverance. Look what he says. He's our hiding place. He still works this way. And look what he says in verse 8. I, this is God speaking in verse 8. I will instruct thee. 
and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. And I'm going to stop right there. Uh, but, but I want you to see that God knows your life. God knows how to get you where you need to go. You know, there's, there's a, you know, it, there's a, a thing whenever you buy toys for kids. Some of y'all hadn't, hadn't done that since, you know, Sears went out of business. But, um, but you know, whenever you have toys, you got to put them together with the instruction. I remember one time I was putting the toy together, and I skipped the instruction thing because all the big parts kind of looked the same. But when I got to the end, it didn't work. I had to take it all back apart, and I had to measure those things according to the instructions and know which part went where. Amen. And you don't want to do that. But you know what? A lot of, and, and that's kind of a silly thing, but for putting a toy together, it just cost me some time. I had to put on an extra cup of coffee, right? It just cost me a little bit of time and a little bit of frustration. But you know what? If we, if we void ourselves from God's instruction, it's not time and frustration. It'll lead us to destruction. It'll lead us down a path that will destroy us. Not only us, but it could even cause others to be destroyed. It, 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 so many people today are leaning on the arm of religion, and they've tuned out the instructive voice of God. You know, when Jesus looked at the, 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 the people that he was preaching to, he looked at them as sheep without a shepherd. He looked at them as sheep without a shepherd. And you know what? When, when, when you're a sheep without a shepherd, you go where you want, when you want, how you want. You go according to the dictate of your own pace. Instead of being led by the Holy Ghost, you're led by self. And I don't know about you, but self never led me down a good path. How sad is it that in the church world we got more people governed by self than the Holy Ghost? I want to tell you something. God didn't send the Holy Ghost just so that we can have cool church service. Contrary to the people today, God didn't send us the Holy Ghost so that we can wear a little derby hat and play the banjo in church. You know why he sent the Holy Ghost? So that you could live an effective, powerful life unto God. So that you would be his witness. So that you would remain holy in an unholy generation. God is the promise of God. And I want to tell you something. If you didn't need it, God wouldn't have sent it. If you didn't need the power of God, God wouldn't have sent the power of God. If you don't need the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit wouldn't work it. And the reality is, is if you didn't need the indwelling empowerment of the Holy Ghost, God would have never promised to send him. He would have never come, and he would have never filled one soul. But the reality is, is that the promise is to the children of God. And one of the things that we need to see is we don't we need God's instruction for our life. That was one of the things that got God about David. David would mess up. David would get religious. He'd be going his own way. But when he realized he messed up, he came back to God. He sought God's face, asked God's forgiveness, and then he allowed God to instruct him in the right way. Amen. Can I tell you something? I, I, I don't know all the pressures that David went through. I'm sure they were great and mighty. But I believe in the last days, the pressure that's going to be upon the child of God is going to be so great. Jesus said that if, the, if, if, he didn't, if he did not hurry up, even the very elect would be deceived in the last days. I mean, there's going to be so much deception. The love of truth is going to grow cold. The love for God is going to wane. People are going, but what? something's going to fill the void, guys. And the reality is, is you're either going to be instructed by the voice of God or you're going to lean on religion. And I want to tell you, as you look at the last days, they are not irreligious. They are very religious. It is very religious in the last days. You might think, oh, it's atheist. It's going to be godless. It is going to be godless, but it's going to be religious. There's going to be a lot of religion in the last days. There's going to be a lot more of it. One of the things that we see, though, in this passage is that God's willing to instruct you. I don't know about you, but that comforts me. Because sometimes, you know what? I don't know the way. 
I'm not one of those guys. Now, when I, when I drive somewhere, I am one of those guys, right? I, I, I'll get there. I don't need to stop and ask directions. I got Google, you know, or whatever. I got a map. But the reality is, when it comes to our spiritual life and how we live life, how we are to be, we need to be those kinds of people that will stop and ask the Lord for instruction and guidance. I want to tell you, I am so thankful that I can pray to God and I can ask God for direction and I know he will direct my steps. I know that he loves me and he will direct me. And I want to tell you, in the days in which you live, you need to realize you don't know it all, but God does. You don't know the way in which you should go. If you knew the way in which you should go, the Holy Ghost wouldn't instruct you. But the reality is, is that the Holy Ghost is there to lead us, to guide us, and, and, and to instruct us in the way in which we should live. Let me show you something, um, if you will. T- turn with me to uh, Acts chapter 2. Let's go over to Acts chapter 2. We're going to pick up a passage that Peter was preaching in. But, you know, we're going to have to get to the place where we trust the one that's guiding us. We have to get to the place where we're trusting the one that's guiding us. So I was, whenever I was praying, I was like, you know, when, when, when you miss the instructions on like a toy or something, you're just negligent. But when you miss the instruction, instruction of God, destruction happens. Destruction happens. Void of the instruction of God equals destruction. And some of us are self-destructing because we're self-reliant. Did you hear that? Some of us are self-destructing because we are self-reliant. I want you to know that God's able to get you through your situation. There's not a situation known to man that God's not able. Amen. His peace, he will give you peace in the middle of of a situation you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. He will give you light in the darkest night. He will guide you. He will. But if you rely on self, you will self-destruct. And so many people today are self-destructing because they're not relying on God. They're relying on self. Let me show you something here in Acts chapter 2. This is when the Holy Ghost came. And Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, uh, which we talked about on our Wednesday night Bible study. Hope you were here. Pentecost was that day that the Holy Ghost came fully. And watch what happens here. We're going to pick it up down in verse Number 37, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now, let me just remind you, Peter here is a man who at once hid hid himself from the Jews. Hid himself from the Jews. He knew Jesus. He lived with Jesus for three and a half years. He walked with Jesus. He saw every miracle. He saw the transformation. He knew that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. And yet, on that night when Jesus was being betrayed, he walked away from Christ. Fear of men was greater than fear of God on that day. But praise God, Jesus said he prayed for him, right? That same man, listen to me, that same man some 53 days later, the same man, just 53 days later, had a whole different outlook because the Holy Ghost came. That's the difference of, of, of someone that's filled with the Holy Ghost. There's a boldness and empowerment to be God's witness. Peter was not out there f- floundering on the floor like a fish. He wasn't howling like a wolf. He wasn't barking like a dog or crowing like a chicken. He wasn't doing he wasn't leading a worship concert in Jerusalem for 1995. He wasn't doing any of that. You know what he did? He stood up and he preached the word of God to people that were dying and going to hell. He stood up and he became the witness of Jesus Christ to a generation that didn't know him. It says in verse number 37, after he got done preaching, it said, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the the promise of God. Look what it says. It says in verse 39, for the promise, that's the Holy Ghost, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all, hallelujah, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I want to tell you something. If God called you, if you heard the gospel, if God called you, the promise is for you. God never intended one child of God to live a life of his calling without his promise. If he called you to the kingdom of God, if he called you to repent, if he called you to believe, if he called you to the kingdom of God, he has also promised you a comforter. He has also promised you a comforter. Note, you you cannot separate the calling of God from the promise of God. You can't separate them. Need to see that first. Because God wants to bless you. God wants to empower you. He's got a promise for you. And so many people today, like I said, are walking in a self-reliant manner when the promise awaits. Amen. It says, the promise is to you, your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And look what it says in in verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, that's what I want you to hear, save yourselves from this untoward generation. I'm going to tell you something. We live in an untoward generation. Now, you know just by inference probably what the word untoward means, but Strong tells us that it means crooked, perverse, warped, and winding. How many of you believe we live in a generation that's warped, perverse, winding, amen, crooked? We live in a generation that's crooked. We were just talking about we've aborted 60 million babies in our nation, and we praise God that Roe v. Wade came crashing down, and our abortion clinic in Shreveport is closed and up for sale, and we give God glory for that. But the reality is there's half of the nation that want more murders. Just because today the law's on our side and God's moving, but we need to see the hearts move. We need to see hearts move. You can't legislate righteousness. You can't force somebody into loving God. And you can't force somebody into serving God. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And you know, the reality is, is we could get, um, a, 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 we could get a really godly man up in the White House. We could. And he could say, everybody needs to love God. You think anybody's going to love God? You can't make, you can't legislate that. You can't legislate that. What needs to happen is they need to be transformed by the power of God. They need a move of God. They need God. And you know how God does it? God changes people's lives through one means, that cross. They've got to see that their sin and their transgression, Christ paid for on that cross. And God, who, who is awesome and mighty, is also merciful. And he decided to come down and go on that cross and die a sinner's death and bleed for our sins and rise from the dead on the third day. The, that's the only way that someone changes from ungodly to godly. Amen? That's why the Holy Ghost is there. God, it says, he will send that promise and instruct you. Listen, we need God's instruction on how to handle this generation. I want to tell you, you you can lament on Facebook all you want. You can go have coffee with your friends and talk about how bad it is. You can pick up the phone and call your cousin in Rio de Janeiro and talk about how bad it is. But the reality is nothing will change until the church begins to get instruction from God. 
until we begin to get guided by the voice of God, by the Holy Spirit, we will not see change in our generation. And you might say, well, that's our generation. I'm not really too much concerned about our generation. But can I tell you, your friends and your family are a part of this generation. You're not going to reach your friends or your family through religion. You're not going to be able to reach your friends or your family through religious practices. What's going to reach them is the power of God. The power of God. Peter, Peter couldn't reach anybody. Nobody was listening to Peter. Peter couldn't reach a soul until he got indwelt by the power of God. And then, listen, he got instructed by the Holy Ghost, go outside and preach. They, 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 were, they were wondering what was going on, and he got instructed by God to go out and preach. So he went out and preached, and then you have this, this uh, message right here. But I want you to see that the promise. I want, I want you to know that God's promise is to instruct you. God's promise, we read it in Psalm uh, 32, God's promise is to bring you about songs of deliverance. God's promise is to deliver you, to instruct you in the way in which you should go. And, you know, so many people are like, they have this bunker mentality. I just want to navigate through this. I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to um, have anybody point out me. I don't want to have them cancel me. I don't want to look, you know, they have that game at fairs where the little thing pops its head up and you got to bop it with the hammer. And, and you think if you live a, a, a holy life, the devil's going to come bop you or the world's going to come bop you. So you just try to not rock the boat. Can I tell you, our, our, the church has been living that for too long, and that's why the generation is the way it is. We have a don't rock the boat mentality. We do. Don't lift your hand too high because you're going to look like a religious zealot. And, and, and don't, you know, don't act like you're, you're just bored. So you just kind of don't rock the boat too much. So you just kind of half staff it. We do that with everything. We do that with everything. And you know what? I want to tell you the Lord calls that in the book of Revelation. Lukewarm. The, the attitude of, of living a life so not too hot and not too cold that you don't rock the boat is the very definition of lukewarm. And you know, I believe we can't get mad at our generation. We can't get mad at our generation for being ungodly. When we haven't walked in the promise of God. When we haven't been instructed by the voice of God. When, and let me say it like this. When we haven't been led by the Holy Ghost. Why are we going to be mad at them for not being what they need to be when we're not what we need to be? Come on, somebody. We need to, we need to man up and woman up as the men and women of God. We need to get alone in our prayer closets and get a fresh infilling of God. We need to get alone with God and get filled up with the power of God so that we can be the people of God in this untoward generation. If you think yesterday's stale man is going to cut it today, you've got another thing coming. We live in an increasingly ungodly and untoward generation, and you're going to need, listen, fresh fire. You're going to need fresh fire for the battles ahead. You don't need my fire. You don't need her fire. You don't need this church's fire. You don't need it because all that is is really you need your own walk with God. You need to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit yourself. You need that. It says right there that the promise is to you, your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for each and every person that's ever been called by God. And I would just like to point that out, that God, Jesus said when he is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. Not all men come, but he will draw. He will, he will draw. John 12, if I be lifted up on that cross, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. Amen. The Holy Spirit is drawing. The Holy Spirit is calling. And so many people are neglecting the voice of God, and they're going about their own way. 
Well, this, I, I, I believe it's pretty easy to see that our generation being untoward has rejected the voice of God and is living the way that they want to live. And now we have the, the reality that we have today. We, we, we have social issues. We have religious issues. We have all kinds of issues. We have, you know, problems all over the place. We have children. Listen, we have children that are committing suicide. Children. And it's, I'm not talking about in Washington, D.C. or Washington State. I'm talking about in our parish. We have children. You know what? They need God. These, these little hearts need God. But you know what? There's people that, that, that have lived a long life. Man, the road has been long and hard. And they're doing all they can do to hold on. Can I tell you something? God's not looking for your self-reliance and your strength of holding on. God's looking for you to let go and let God. He's look, You need a fresh touch from heaven. You need God like never before. The more wicked the generation is and the longer the road is, the more bumpy the road is, the more you need God. You need him. And God knows that. And he's promised to meet the need. He has promised to meet the need. But like everything with God, there's a condition. And Peter says the condition right there, repent and be baptized. We've got to turn away from self-reliance. We've got to turn away from relying on self. We've got to turn back to Jesus. Some, some of us, you know, maybe you haven't been baptized before. Maybe you have walked away from God. But you need to come back to that place where you give yourself back to God. Now, the, the untoward generation, and you can bring this into a couple of different areas, which we don't have time to, but I just want to point out that the crookedness of the generation is a product. The crookedness of the generation is a product of the church being religious rather than righteous. Surveys all over the place have been coming out in, in the last couple of weeks. We have pastors that don't believe in the deity of Jesus Christ anymore. We have pastors that don't believe in the resurrection and the virgin birth anymore. We have pastors that don't believe in the exclusiveness of Christ alone who said that He is the way. No one can come to the Father but by me. We have churches, denominations, and pastors that are backing off these fundamentals. Much, much greater than even the social issues that we all fight about. Like marriage, one woman, one man. Like he created male and female, not she-male. The, the, the thing is, though, is what we need to see is that the church has to come back to that place where we're instructed by God, where we're filled by the Spirit of God, where we're walking in the promise that God has for us, where we're living a holy life under God, instructed by the voice of God for this generation. That's what the generation needs. The sad thing is, is that there, the, the, this is a generation, as Jesus was preaching, he saw sheep without a shepherd. That's what they are. They're sheep without a shepherd. I know who the shepherd is. I know who the shepherd is. You should know who the shepherd is. But do you know how they, who are sheep outside the fold of God, you know how they get inside the fold of God? You and me, taking them by the hand and leading them to that cross that's that's how you got into the kingdom of god at one time you were without a shepherd at one time you were going the way you wanted to go you were living life outside the kingdom of god and somebody through some means took you to a man named jesus and i want to tell you it does no good to argue with someone about social issues political issues, economic issues. It does no good to argue with people about all those kind of issues until we take them back to the cross of Jesus. 
until we lead them to Jesus Christ. You know what? Jesus will begin to work those issues out. He'll begin to work these issues out, won't he? Amen. One of the problems we see in the church world, though, is that a lot of times we, we lose steam. A lot of times we stop walking with God. A lot of, uh, I'll just say it like this. Sometimes if you've been walking with God for a while, maybe your prayer life yesterday was a lot stronger than it is today. Amen. Maybe you prayed in the Holy Spirit more yesterday than you do today. Maybe there's things that have come up. There's issues in life, and it's kind of taken the steam out of things. I want to give you the, the, the thing that God spoke to me on this message is that if, if we start walking without the power of God, without the promise of God on our life, we're going to become religious and not righteous. And, 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 and the thing is, is how many of you know you can be right and not righteous at the same time? You can be, you, look, we're going to have an argument. I'm going to win this argument. I'm going to be right. And you know, that's not a righteous spirit. And, and, and God has called you to not always win the argument. God has called you to be righteous before him. That his righteousness would rest upon you. We don't have righteousness of our own. It's the righteousness of Christ in us. There was an exchange that took place. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's the promise. It's not our own righteousness, but it's the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus in us. And what God's looking for you and me to do is to, is to live that righteous life, that the righteousness of God would manifest through your life in this world. You know, you can tell people a lot of things, but when you tell them and they can see it in your life, it makes a huge difference. But the promise, the promise, so many people are, are, are living a life outside the promise. And can I tell you something? You can start out right and begin to lose steam. Can I get a witness? You can start out right and then begin to lose steam. Because you can, because look, the, 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 the thing is, is you can start out, but the devil don't give up. He don't roll over and play dead just because you're on the scene. He'll do everything he can do to cause you to have flat tires so that he can flatten your hope, so that he can flatten your zeal. You know what? God deserves more than a church without zeal. God deserves a church that is full of the Spirit of God. It is not, it, it is not about you know, the circumstances of life. It's about who's in us. Our, the victory belongs to God. It is not our victory. It's his victory. We've got to rest in him. We've got to rest in him. That's where victory comes from. And once you, once you realize that steam will begin to pick up, let me show you something in Galatians two, turn with me to Galatians two. Now, you know, who preached that, right? That we just, we just talked about. It was Peter that preached that on the day of Pentecost. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Uh, but along the way, sometimes issues come up and we don't, we don't walk in the same power that we once did. I don't, you don't have to raise your hand if that's you. But there's times that we don't walk in the same power, the same anointing that we once did. We don't have the same consecration, and we're not, we're not walking like we once did. You know, one of, one of the scriptures that Paul referenced in, in the book of Ephesians that we, we talk about a lot is, you know, not to be drunk with wine, but to be what? Be filled with the Spirit. See, and, and, and the reality is that, that that scripture there, not to be drunk with wine, but be filled, the verb tense is be being filled. It's an ongoing reality in your life. It is not rely on the feeling that you had 20 years ago. I, look, all of us, we probably filled up gas in 2020 when it was real cheap. And, you know, it's a different thing to fill up gas now. But you can't rely on the feeling that you got from the Holy Spirit 20 years ago to, to, to be with you now. You need a fresh fire today. You need a fresh infilling today. Be, listen, I'll say like Paul did, be being filled with the Spirit. Because we, we can kind of contrast that with wine. 
Because people that aren't being filled with the Spirit are going to be filled with something. And a lot of times they turn into to winos. Wow, you know, you don't have to be all, you don't have to be all that. You don't have to be all that. Let's just sit back on the porch and drink a glass of wine. No, let's be filled with the Spirit and be the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God for this generation. This generation is dying and going to hell. They don't know which bathroom to use. They think their truth is their truth. Two plus two can equal whatever you want it to equal. We live in a dying generation. And it's not going to be changed through arguments on social media. It's not going to be won through protests. It's only going to be won by the power of God manifesting through the Spirit of God in the people of God that rely on the power of God. We need that. We've got to come back to that. Remember who the battle belongs to. The battle belongs to the Lord. What you going to do? Go whine on Facebook and win the battle? No. God is a jealous God. He won't let you get the victory. You can have the best argument. You can line upon line. You can have, oh, every nation that does this and every nation that does that. And did you know that whenever the, the father leaves a home, this happens. And when the mother does this, this. Come on now. It's the power of God that changes lives. God's not, God is a jealous God, and he's not going to allow the church to get the victory without the power. Come on. He's not going to allow the church to get a victory over this generation without the power of the promise of the Holy Ghost. God's going to, if God wins this generation, he's going to win it the way he always wins it. He's going to get a people that rely on the preaching of the cross, empowered by the promised Holy Ghost. That's what he's going to get. That will win souls. That will change lives. That changed my life. You know how many people told me I didn't need to be a drunk? You know how many people told me that I need to let go of this and I need to let go of that and I need to start doing this and start doing that? I didn't care more than a man in the moon. Until I knew that God loved me. Until I knew that God died on the cross for me. Until I knew that the promise was for me. And that changed my life. And God, look, God has no rival. He has no equal. God changes lives one way and one way alone. And that's through the preaching of the cross of Jesus Christ. There's one prescription that our society needs, and it's the promised Holy Ghost. Peter preached the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, but somewhere along the way, Peter ran out of steam. So let's not be, you know, let's not be highfalutin here. Because if that can happen to Peter, it can happen to us. And I love Peter. He's kind of like David, you know. I mean, he has such a good heart. And and, um, Peter here runs into a problem. Now, the Galatian church... Uh, Paul came to it because they were having problems. They were having problems. You know what the problem was? They were, they were allowing religious zealots to steal them away from the message of the cross. They were allowing people to come in with their philosophy and theology Instead of coming back to that cross, they were leading them away from the cross. They were leading them to religious systems. And I want to tell you, when, when one of the most dangerous places for you to be is to know something about God but not know the power of God. Because when you know something about God but you don't know the power of God, you're going to get sucked in. Now, we're going to pick it up in verse number 11, just for sake sake of time. But the argument was was that there was a a, a different system for the Gentile than the Jew. That That was the theological argument that the religious zealot brought into the church. Now, I will remind you, the church is the bride of Christ. God's jealous for the church. A church that keeps his heart right with God, God's going to keep it right. 
It says in verse number 11, Paul said this. He said, but when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Time out. He went from fearing the Jew to preaching to the Jew back to fearing the Jew. He went from not knowing the power of God to having the power of God to evidently not having the power of God anymore. You know what? That's where a lot of the church folks are. And I want to tell you what happened. Because when Peter was empowered by the by the by the holy spirit he preached and he preached the purity of the gospel repent believe on jesus be baptized in his name he preached the purity of the gospel right there and you know what people got saved here just a few years later peter's in Galatia, and he's leading people not to Jesus, but he's leading them astray from Jesus. Because he's no longer walking out. I just want to show you. Because as the church goes, so goes the nation. When this, when this man of God stopped walking in the power of God, people got led astray. And it says... That he, he, he feared them which were of the circumcision. That's the end of verse 12, verse 13. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest the Gentiles? To live as do the Jews. Can I tell you something? What, what, what happened there was that Peter had lost the power of God. And he relied on religion and not righteousness. And you know what our untoward generation needs? They, they don't need us to come up with new religious systems. They don't need us to come up with denominations. They don't need us to come up with mantras. They don't need us to come up with creeds. They don't need us to come up with new, new conferences. They don't need us to do any of those things. They need us to get alone with God and get filled up with God. And they need us to be led and instructed by the voice of God so that we can be the people of God that they can come to know God. That's what they need. It's not, look, you can win an argument or lose an argument with them. It's not going to help them get in the kingdom of God. Go ahead. March, protest. We, we can run a 4K race. We can, we can take up donations. We can do this and we can do that. We can, we can do all of those things. But if we're not presenting people the power of God unto salvation, we're leading them to religion instead of righteousness. And you know what? Uh, let, me, let me kind of bring this in. Our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, our friends, they don't need us to give them religion. They need to see the righteousness of God in you. They need to see the righteousness of God in you. That's what they need. That's what began to change. That's what turned the world upside down. When Peter began to preach on the day of Pentecost, it wasn't his religious argumentation that led these people to the Lord. It was the power of God flowing through him. He pointed people to the cross under the power of the Holy Ghost. And I want to tell you, God will instruct us. We, we don't know what the generation needs. We don't know. We... I don't know that there's ever been a generation as ungodly as ours. I really don't. If God doesn't move, I, I think what Hitler did is going to be nothing compared to what's coming. If God doesn't move, I, I, I really and truly think, and I'm not trying to make light of the Holocaust, but I really and truly think 
that if, if we don't see a move of God in this generation, what happened under Hitler is going to pale in comparison. I, I, think, I think we're going to see just ungodliness come upon the land. If, if there's not a move of God if, and if the Lord doesn't come back, and there's only one way that a move of God is birthed, only one way. You saw it in the book of Acts. That's how a move of God is birthed. A move of God is birthed when the people of God get alone with God, pray, seek his face, and get filled with the power of God again. When you get filled with the power of God again, God will empower you to do great exploits in the generation. They don't need our arguments. They don't need our arguments. They need the arm of God. They need the arm of God. Can I tell you something else? You don't need arguments. You don't need arguments. You, you, you don't need a pastor to come up here and give you five ways to do this, seven ways to do that. You don't need a PowerPoint presentation on how to have the power of God. The power of God is available at the cross of God. If you'll come to God, he'll give you the power that you need. It is, it is available for you. The promise Peter said is for you and for all those that are far off. As many as are called, the promise is available. Don't miss that. If you miss that, you'll miss the instruction of God. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for, for the hand of, of the Lord today. Lord, we thank you that you still instruct your people today. God, we ask this morning for the power, Lord, to live upright before you in this generation. Lord, we live in an increasingly ungodly generation. And Lord, I pray that you would do a work in us, that we would not be satisfied with religion when you've called us to be righteous. Please don't allow us to be satisfied with religion, oh God. Please don't allow us to be satisfied with the status quo. But Lord, I pray that you would birth upon us a desire to be righteous in this generation. That they would see the way in which they should go. Lord, I ask for your blessing, God, upon your people. Lord, I pray that you would inspire us to believe. Inspire us, oh God. Lord, we ask for the power of God to be upon the children of God in this generation. Lord, I know that there are some here today that have lost family members. Lord, I have lost family members. Lord, our, our lost family members, our friends, those people around us, oh God, they don't need our arguments. They need you. They need to see a manifestation of the power of God. Lord, they need you. Lord, we're praying that you would fill us up and empower us, Lord, to be your people in this hour. Lord, we thank you that the battle belongs to you. God, help us to not be self-reliant, but help us to be God-reliant in this hour. God, use us. Fill us again. Fill us afresh, oh God. And Lord, I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, amen, amen, amen. I want to ask you to, to come to the altars today and seek a fresh infilling of God. I'm reminded of the, the, the thing that, Brother Ravenhill said, he said that God has never one time put the fire of God on an altar. He said fire never falls on an altar. It falls on a